0: This is Dorel Alia, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast, episode six zero. Drop the beat. Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the
1: Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the before the Millions Podcast. Hey
0: there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions Podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the Seven Minute Mentor Podcast, global
1: entrepreneur and all round geek, and you are listening to the Before the Millions Podcast. I am MC Lobster, the Cashflow Ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions Podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions Podcast. But whether you're looking to invest.
0: For cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place. Mr. Hollywood himself presents the Before the Millions podcast. Podcast. And now your host, Dure Olalye. Hey, what's up? What's going on, BTM tribe? Dure Olalye here, and we're back for another installment. Another episode of the Before the Millions podcast, the podcast dedicated to lifestyle design before the millions. Now, how on or off track are you for your goals for the year? Have you done or started doing everything that you set out to do on January 1st or maybe late December or late November of last year? Have you crossed everything off your list? Have you crossed anything off your list? Are you being productive? Are you taking care of the real things that are actually gonna keep your progress moving forward? Well, in today's tip of the week, I'm gonna discuss with you guys three, quick productivity hacks so that if you're not on track to meet your goals and it's due to a lack of time, too many distractions or anything along those lines, I have a hack for you guys. So stay tuned for the tip of the week. But guys, on this show, we are speaking to an Amazon best-selling author and real estate investor, Mr. Chris Prefontaine. And what we're going to talk about on today's show with Chris is something that I love talking about. And the reason I love this subject is because this is probably one of the biggest blockers or one of the biggest reasons why people don't jump into real estate. And it's because they believe, because they believe that they need money to get started in real estate. While this may be true, and while it's nine times out of 10 better to have money to get started down your real estate journey, that should not be an impediment to you getting started. And we're going to show you exactly why and how on today's show. So, no money, no problem. No credit, no problem. No experience, no problem. We've got you covered. We're going to talk about some no and low money down ways of getting into your first real estate investment property. Because, again, guys, that's what we're here to do. I mean, I said at the beginning of this year, one of my biggest goals was to help as many people as I can purchase their first investment property so that they can go on to rent and repeat and then eventually escape the rat race. And that's literally been the focus of myself and the Before the Millions team for the past six months. Now, to reinforce some of the things that I've been teaching, not only to my clients, but to you guys, I have Chris on the show today to debunk some myths, to help you guys through that single barrier. How do I get started in real estate if I have no money? So stay tuned. We're also going to cover what prompted Chris to get started down his investing path. We're going to talk about Chris's experience dealing with property with revenues that were cut by half overnight during the real estate crash. We're going to talk about owner financing and what that means. We're going to talk about how Chris put down $900 for a $180,000 home. And then last but not least, guys, we're going to talk about the importance of including family in business and why Chris uses his family to help support his business. So, guys, before we bring Chris onto the show, let's get to the tip of the week. DeRay's tip of the week. Here are three lifestyle productivity hacks to make sure that you are a more productive person. So simple practice or hack number one, do one thing at a time. And do that one thing for a focused block of time. You can use the timer for this. Use the timer in your phone. So you exclude any other thing, any other distraction, any other task that can possibly pop up in the form of a pop-up, in the form of a ping or a pop or anything. Do one thing at a time for a focused block of time to the exclusion of all else. Simple practice or hack number two. Check email only once per day. Now, some of you are saying, Doray, I don't have the luxury of doing this. I have a job that demands that I'm always in my inbox. In special cases, I believe you can maybe stretch it to checking email twice a day, but no more. And if you need to let your subordinates or superiors know that this is a method that you're using to be more productive, they have no reason for objecting. So check email only once per day. Simple practice or hack number three, accept no incoming phone calls and return voicemails only once per day. The fact that we look up and we get sidetracked and we have to start a whole new thought process when we answer a text and then we get back to work and then we answer that text again. Just kind of getting off task, starting, starting revisiting a whole new thought process, remembering every thought and conceived notion that you wanted to say. And it's just so much brain power that you don't even realize that you're using as you continually get off task to check emails and text messages and phone calls and things that are distracting you, social media. It's crazy. Accept no incoming phone calls and return voicemails only once per day. So... This is intense, guys. You can't do these half-heartedly. This is intense. If you want to triple your productivity instantly, do these three things and just watch the growth that you will have. Let's get to the show. And now, your feature presentation. On today's episode, guys, I'm excited. I'm excited to introduce to you guys Mr. Chris Prefontaine. Hey, Chris. How's it going?
1: It's going great. How about you, buddy?
0: I'm doing amazing. And sounds like we're talking to you today from Rhode Island. How are things in Rhode Island right now?
1: Well, I mean, it's Newport, Rhode Island. It's on the water. It's a nice little three-town island, and the weather's decent, and the storm missed us. So we're happy.
0: For those of you that don't know Chris, Chris is a best-selling author. He is a real estate investor, and he's been in real estate for about 25-plus years. His experience includes construction of over 100 single-family homes and duplexes you have extensive experience in the real estate world, both in the US and Canada. You've participated in condo conversions. You've done so many growth uh, projects in neighborhoods. And I think that your story is going to be really fascinating as we dive into it. But before all of that, I mean, all of that just kind of sounds like mumbo jumbo right now. Let's learn about Chris himself. Let's learn who Chris is, who Chris was before real estate investing and what kind of uh, started you on this path to start investing in real estate.
1: Sure, sure. So when I got out of actually midway through college, I was in a um, family company having absolutely nothing to do with real estate. That was the company was sold in 1991. That started my career in real estate. That's when the building started. I had a partner in the field, never built a home in my life, but I had a partner in the field and started partnering with homeowners by literally putting a sign in their front lawn and asking them if we could pre market a Finished product on their on their um, lot, not putting up any cash, not paying for that until the home was sold, not paying for even the construction costs until the home was built. So everyone was kind of on the same page, waiting till the end, and that that worked great during a time when the market wasn't great, construction lending wasn't plentiful, and we built what I called infill neighborhoods, so single lots here and there. you know, just one lot sitting in between two homes. Okay, we'll go talk to that owner, and we built a, a nice business. In 1995 or so, bought a Realty Executives franchise. So then I had to kind of switch hats and put the broker-owner hat on. I never was a realtor before either. I just knew that coming out of a, a tough building market and having some frustration with that, knew that, okay, I can hustle. I can get my realtor's license and hustle. Built a company there with underneath the Realty Executives umbrella uh, until 2000. Ultimately sold that to Coldwell Banker. Now, it's funny I say sold that you gotta get out of the franchise. So I had to pay to get out of the franchise. And then I could sell my business to Cobalt Banker. Everyone back then said, you can't sell a realtor business. There's no such thing, you can't do that. Well, we had a nice team and we did 100 homes a year. So we were able to sell that market share to them and then they kind of brought us into their their fold, so to speak, in their office. It's after that, because I had a non-compete that I started coaching realtors only now. So I wasn't in the investor mode yet. I was coaching realtors um, throughout US and Canada. These were guys and gals that had commissions upwards of a million dollars. you talk in the 90s. So they were making some good money and they needed help with organizations, scaling, getting their life, uh, lifestyle back. And that's what we did from uh, roughly 2000 to 2003. Started doing some condo conversions back then. Those were hot. Uh, the taking two, three, four, five, six units as a multi-unit building, converting it to condominiums, selling them off as individuals. Uh, that went super well. And then as no secret to your listeners, because you're in the real estate world here on this this show, the 2008 debacle changed all that. And so that year was the pivotal year that we kind of re-engineered, literally re-engineered our business to what it is today. And that is not using our own cash, not signing on bank loans, not trying to attract and go solicit investors, not using our credit, none of that. And so that's what's been the the model since 2013, a good uh, five plus years.
0: And that sounds fascinating. And I can't wait to get into some of the details of your model and kind of figure out how you're able to do all of that. But let's travel down your path a little, a little bit more pre-2013. What prompted the start into investing? I mean, you were, you, you were starting businesses, you were selling businesses, you, know, you were in the, in the realty space. What, what prompted investing and, and why, was, why, was that, why was that the apple of your eye or why did that become the apple of your
1: eye? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know back in as far back as even high school. I mean, my father used to build his own buildings and we had a, a, a business, as I said, that had nothing to do with real estate, but he had commercial buildings throughout New England and those had to be built. So he built them himself and then leased them back to the company. And that I kind of saw that going on and then uh, started getting hooked on way back then, unbeknownst to all of us, uh, a bunch of Donald Trump's books and just Got into the whole real estate arena back then uh, and it just kind of grew on me. I, I, ha- I went to college, but I had an interest all the way through that just in real estate, really. Had an itch.
0: Talk about active versus passive income. And a lot of the things that you were doing were more so active income, you know, you being a realtor and you being able to sell your company to Cloudwell Bank and things like that. I guess the question or the answer that I'm looking for is kind of what made the switch or were you always investing to gain more passive assets? Or was it something that happened in your life that you were kind of like, I'm going to start taking investing more seriously. I'm going to start finding ways to create more passive income rather than, you know, having a bunch of active income. And the minute I stop working or the minute, you know, I stop. Stop tending to this project and the, the cash flow stops coming in. Was there was there a pivotal time in which you decided to make that switch?
1: You know what? There wasn't an event, so to speak, quote unquote, but I can tell you that it just was more the frustration of, okay, you go out and you do 100 homes and then December 31st comes along and what do you got to do? You got to reset and do it all over again. All that is a job. And so that was a pivotal moment because it's a lot of work to do that. And then you got to literally go back to work the next, for the next year. So that, that kind of opened the um, eyes a little bit to passive income. We started at that time, now that you said that, we started saying, okay, great, let's, let's get into some more passive. So we created a college model back then. This was in the 90s as well, uh, owned around uh, 12 buildings uh, in and around the Holy Cross College, uh, Holy Cross area and really built a cool model for passive income and then a great cash out as well. So that really started the flow and and the eye opener to, okay, there's more to this than just grinding it out.
0: Take me to your worst entrepreneurial moment to date. And it may have been the crash. You touched on the crash a little bit as you started having success with condo conversions, but take me to your worst entrepreneurial moment to date. And what did you learn from that situation? What experiences can you share with our our listeners so that they can circumvent uh, maybe the mistake that you may have made during that situation?
1: Yeah, well, it was most definitely that. It was most definitely 2008. The, the opening chapter in my book is exactly that because you know we are an open book and I want people to learn from it. And the, the biggest lessons is there's probably every, everybody went through that probably says the same thing, Darry, but I, I will tell you the biggest lessons were what I quickly alluded to, and that is not overextending personally, meaning don't, do not, under any circumstances, sign personally on on your business endeavors, especially real estate. And in my opinion, do not take out loans for the same and do not use your credit for the same. And So that's the biggest lesson that came out of that. That, that important time period, although it, it was awful to go through, that is exactly why we have what we have today in the structure we have today with our family company and the success we have today with zero of that exposure, zero personal signatures, zero cash out and zero bank loans. And it's a big, big difference. So that that was by far the biggest a moment, and I don't say it was. I don't, I will never say I don't wish I went through it. I'm glad I went through it, and that's why we are here where we are.
0: Chris, let's get granular, let's get micro. You know, you talk about some of the the, the challenges that you faced. Let's talk about a specific time in which you signed your name on something and it backfired, and how you were able to take away from that lesson.
1: Well, sure. So, same thing. Uh, I can go back to the almost the day it was um, January or February of, of oh, this would be 07. And shortly after that, you know, the markets took a took a dive. So there was a a larger, at the time, a larger refi done on one of our properties to say, okay, great, we'll just do this. It'll band-aid everything, you know, to the tune of two or $300,000 on a refi, and then we'll be all set, and the market will keep going. It was just, you know, everyone and their brother thought the market would keep going. So we, we did that. We got that influx of cash in, band-aided the business for, I don't know what it might have been, two months or three months, and then unbeknownst to the, to the national market, the thing kept diving, right? And so that then started a cascade of now I have a part time job, which is basically talking to banks because values went from, you know, 100 percent to 33 percent overnight on a lot of the projects. Literally, like a condo was worth 170. Now it's worth 50 or 60 grand if you're lucky. So that became a full time job working out short sales, working out foreclosures. I mean, literally going through 22 properties, one at a time, trying to figure out what are we going to do with them? Because now the values are cut by a third. Crazy.
0: Yeah, that is crazy. So as far as, is this the example to where you signed your your name on a loan?
1: And oh, every single one, one of them. Of them.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> that sounds crazy. And I'm again, I'm glad that, you know, you were able to go through that and come out on the other side. Again, we're forged by the risks that we take, and We're no forged doubt. by the decisions that we have to make in our time of need. And, you know, if you didn't go through that time, how would you be able to teach somebody, you know, about how to manage rich? How would you be able to teach somebody that they shouldn't put their name on these loans? You wouldn't be able to have those lessons to refer to. So I think that, you know, those trying times are really what define us and how we're able to kind of lend a helping hand to people that, that are coming after us. So I think that's fascinating. Let's talk about maybe your best deal to date. What does that look like?
1: You know, I ask people this on my show and I know it's a toughie because I have there's so many cool ones. We do stuff, uh, as I said earlier, on terms, meaning it's always not in our name credit-wise and not putting up our cash, as I just said. And there are the best deals to date. The owner financing deals, and I know there's many meanings of that, so let me let me dive deeper. Owner financing deals to us mean a seller is debt-free, free and clear in a home. And we do many of these. And they accept no to maybe tiny bit down, but usually no money down, I mean zero, in monthly principal payments. So now let me give you why this is so important. So in a market that's going up fine, but in a market that's flat or even going back down, you're talking about buying a home or a building, making monthly principal payments only, and so you're hedging yourself in a major way against the market. And, oh, by the way, you're getting appreciation and locking in some sales prices as well if the market's um, right for you. So you take, you can take a house that's worth 200 grand, and believe it or not, pull 150 grand profit out of it because of your principal paydown benefit. And so, what the best deal? We've done several of those uh, per year, just by the nature of how we generate and how we stumble upon certain owner financing deals along the way. Those are by far the best deals—not one deal, but the best deals that we do every single year.
0: Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And that's owner financing is an, is an awesome model. So let's maybe talk a little bit, you know, really quick about owner financing. And, you know, do you have a, an example with some numbers that you can give us as far as what an, a typical owner financing deal would look like for you guys?
1: Yeah, I can give you a small one. We just did a big estate in, in Pennsylvania because we do these around the country with with different associates, you know, clients. I can give you a small one. It's local to, to us right outside of uh, the, the city of Worcester. It was a small Cape style home. The uh, gentleman came to us through an expired listing. It was actually an estate and the family wanted the cash out right away. So that I thought this lead was gone. About six months later, one of the heirs called and said, look, we met you six or seven months ago. Uh, at the time, my family wanted their cash out. They sold all their assets off. I've got this one house left. And I'm leaving to South Carolina, and I'd like you to do that owner financing thing. Can you still do it? I said, sure. Well, when do you want to do it? He said, well, it's Friday. I'm leaving Monday to South Carolina. I said, okay. My son and I went there on a Saturday, signed a purchase and sale agreement. We actually had to put up some money. So now, hold on to your seat. We had to put up $900 deposit, and we bought the home for $183,900 with $900 down. This home was on the market with a realtor for one ninety dollars And frankly, she had priced about right. So 183.9, dollars down, we structured $923 per month principal payments, and we structured a 48-month term on that. So in other words, the owner had a first mortgage security position. Making, we're making $923 a month payments. We go around and we sell that. We sell all our properties on rent-to-own. So we turned around and sold that home for 229.9. dollars uh, That's in the 220s. That might be a little off there. And we sold that for $1,500 a month rent-to-own. The buyer has 36 months to cash it out. We have a term of four years to be safe to make sure we can get that done. And do the math. You have $923 times 36 to 48 months of principal pay down. Plus you mark the home up another 30 or 40 grand. Um, By the time you've done that with the monthly spread, I can tell you what that deal came out to. That deal has 128,000 profit on a home we bought for 183.9 great specific example of what I was alluding to earlier you can pull most of the value or profit out of that thing if you have the right term this is how it's done
0: this is one of this is a great deal a great owner finance deal
1: so can I and can I say something to the to your btm listeners cuz I think it's important if I can just add this yep you know we talk about passive right i mean the whole your whole focus or one of your focuses is that well think of this I'll, I'll boil it down to this every deal we do creates three paydays. This is important, and we're creating a fourth now, but, but let's just stick with the three. The first is that the cash up front, because in that deal we get a 15 grand payment up front. That's it goes in your pocket. The second payday is the monthly spread that you just explained, 1500 coming in, 923 going out. And the third payday is the cash out that you just alluded to when you said we marked the property up. So that every deal has three paydays, so you're creating cash now, continuous cash flow, And you're creating a huge cash out for yourself, continuously creating deals that are going to go 12 to 60 months. That's pretty cool for someone saying, how can I add supplemental or how can I create a complete replacement income for myself? Well, that system does it because you're creating three paydays.
0: Exactly. And some listeners are like, well, DeRay, you know, uh, well, Chris, well, maybe uh, I don't think that there are actually going to be sellers out there that are, that are willing to do that on their property and this, that, and the third. And I I don't think that, you know, I'm going to be able to structure a deal like that. Like that doesn't even, you know, who's like, how does the seller, how do you even get a seller to agree to that? And I'm going to let you answer the question, and but I'll start with the premise of you have to make sure that you are looking for a particular type of seller and that particular type of seller is a motivated seller. And Chris, I kind of want you to kind of go in, go in depth on that. What does that mean? What are we supposed to be looking for in, a, in sellers to be able to kind of structure a deal this way?
1: Yeah. Spot on with the question. Cause I get it all the time. So thank you. You're right. You have to fish in a pond and the pond where they are, right? That's very, very important. So we teach our associates around the country and you can niche it. You're right. Very, very specific. Now, Here's what I want you listeners to think about on, that, on this very subject. You're out there solving challenges, right? Solving problems. Same reason people call a doctor, an attorney, a CPA, an auto body. I could go on and on. But I don't mean negative challenges always, okay? I mean, it can be a negative challenge where um, someone's upside down on a home. Great. You have a solution for them. That's, that could be a negative one for them. The one I just explained to you, nothing negative about it. He owned it outright. He was leaving to South Carolina to retire, and he wanted it in good hands. And he didn't need the cash now. So what did I solve for him? I got him cash flow. I got him the best price in his eyes. And he has hands off and doesn't have to think about it when he's retiring. So when you're solving challenges, not always challenges that are negative. Uh, We just bought an estate with one of our associates in Pennsylvania, 10 acres, gorgeous showpiece home, couldn't sell for half a million, wanted to be in Texas with his five children right before the holidays last year, a year and a half ago now. And so he did that deal with us. We're still in it. He's thrilled to death. We make a monthly principal payments. We already pre-sold the home. It's a six-figure deal for us, and he's couldn't be happier. So let me say, generally speaking, there are plenty of sellers out there that can't sell. That's why you see expired listings showing up in the market that they don't sell. And so you're the answer for that. And there's a whole bunch of people out there that'll, that'll trust me, a whole bunch of people that you can help, uh, and that's the best word to use
0: okay, that's how I find a seller, but there's nobody who's willing to pay this marked up price. There's nobody out there. There's no buyers out there who's willing to do what you just stated, You know, who's willing to put down all this money, so on and so forth. And that's not the truth. Again, I'm gonna allude to the answer and Chris, you're gonna take it away. When we talk about finding motivated sellers, we talk about solving problems. Our buyers, they are also in a situation in which they need a problem to be solved. Maybe they have bad credit. Maybe they're not able to get financing. There are numerous, numerous reasons why a buyer may look to uh, may look to get into a deal such as a rental-owned deal. But Chris, why have you seen buyers uh looking to kind of work with you guys and, and get into some of these deals?
1: Yeah, perfect. And let me let me preface it by saying that in, in 08, when I watch my credit or 07 or 08, when I watch my credit go from sevens, high sevens to in the toilet in the fives. I firsthand hand learn what this is like and this is why we're so passionate about helping people. So let me tell you the two categories. There are about and every market's different, so we don't get calls saying that's not exactly right. If there's you're talking about 80 or 82% of the market in most markets across the country of people buyers that can't today, without any tweaks to their credit or any work or any extra saving, today can't go get a loan. 82%. So the realtors and the sellers by owner are looking for 18%. We help the 82%. We help them by enhancing their credit. We help them by getting them into a home. So let's talk about them first. Then I want to go to self-employed. These people that need enhancement of their credit because they had a legitimate divorce, bankruptcy, foreclosure, whatever might have happened, it happens. I know. I went through it. So we get them pre-screened, and we get a mortgage-ready date. We get a whole game plan set up to give them a success at the end of this thing. Now what are the benefits for them aside from we just gave them home ownership over the next one to five years? Well, uh, picture this. If we don't do that, if they don't do that with someone like us, they're renting and saving money presumably and maybe they're trying to fix their credit too without anyone helping them. But meanwhile, the market's sailing right past them. They're on a treadmill. Instead, they say, okay, I can save up money with, with us over time. They can even make those down payments to us. They lock in their price there a day one. So day 1 at that price of that home I told you about for 220 something they lock that price in. I can tell you right now that home's worth probably 240. They get that equity, I do not. So there's a huge benefit for these renters to turn themselves into rent to own, rent buyers, tenant buyers and lock in that price and get the benefits of home ownership, but they didn't they weren't able to get a mortgage yet. So that's the first category. Second category is picture this. Prior to 08 you and I and anyone else that was a self-employed contractor of any type, you know, plumber, electrician, real estate person, doesn't matter. They could walk in a bank and they could get a stated income loan, if you remember that. The younger people, maybe people don't remember that, but they could walk in and say, this is what my income is, sign a paper and they get it. There's no proof was necessary. Post-08, they went away. Now you can get some of them, but they're very costly. So now picture a person goes in, they don't know that. It's 2018. They walk into a bank, they say, I got $50,000, I'm ready to buy a home. Can I get a loan with you? Banker says, no, we don't do that anymore. You got to prove for two years what the bank calls seasoning. You have to prove for two years where you made your income and make sure your income is adequate to buy this house, No more stated income on paper. So that person does what? They, well, they're bumming. So they call someone like us and say, I got 50 grand, I can put it on that home, and in two years, I'll be mortgage ready. My credit's already good, I just need time. Those are great buyers. And so those are the two categories we primarily deal with. Uh, They're both fantastic and they both have a game plan to get to the end zone. I will tell you that once you get a single property, you'll never have to worry about a buyer again. That's how many buyers are out out there in this category. Yep. Yep. Well
0: said, Chris. I love that. And we are on today's show. We are busting myths. So this is amazing. Chris, let's get back into your story. Let's start where we left off. Let's get into 2013 and up. What was the business that you started in 2013 and how has it taken off since then?
1: Okay, good. So 2013, uh, summer, 2013, um, I started just myself, started calling for sale by owners and expired to buy their homes on terms. I was primarily looking for a way to purchase their home on lease purchase, so I would either take over their mortgage payment, uh, pay it for them, or I would pay them an agreed upon amount if there was no mortgage, and then I would turn around, like I said earlier, and I would put a rent to own what we call a tenant buyer in that home with some cash out dates that work, that allowed me to cash my seller out. That was my sole intent back then. Uh, that year we did 13 of those. Uh, Keep in mind, when I say 13, you keep these. They don't go away. They're providing cash flow and future cash. In 2014, I was still by myself. We did, uh, I think, 25 or so of them. At the end of 14, my son Nick uh, came on board and started working with the buyers because you can imagine now we've got a lot of buyers calling and trying to manage those and fill those. The following year, we did 32. Uh, That was 2015. In 2016, January, my son-in-law, Zach, and my daughter Kayla came on board and now we have what the, the family structure in place. Uh, we do 25 to 50 deals a year. We carry at any one time 50 to 60 properties that are waiting to be cashed out at some level at some date. Uh, 25 to 30% of those properties are owner financing with heavy, heavy principal paydown happening. And the other ones are uh, standard lease purchase on uh, three paydays like I explained earlier. We have, if you add those all up with the cash outs, payday ones and twos are happening. But the payday three, the back-end cash-outs, well over $3 million uh, on the books. So anytime between 12 and 60 months, those continue to cash out. And that's why I said to you earlier, uh, for your listeners, what a great way to set up if you want retirement or you just want cash flow or you just want to see a nice uh, nest egg after five years. I mean, in theory, Derek, we could get off the treadmill right now and stop for five years and have that $3 million come in. We're not, but we could in theory. Someone could take a month off. Someone could take six months off. It's not going to hurt their business at all once you get this thing set up properly. Now, I'm not disclosure. I'm not saying you can do that in six months. It's going to take you at least 18 months to build up a nice little reservoir of 20 or 25 properties, and then you can build it from there. That's the sole model that we go on. Uh, We don't deviate from that. Very, very focused and only buy that way. So if someone says, we need you to sign personally, or we need you to put up 50 grand, even if it's a great deal, the answer is no. We just move on.
0: Yeah, for sure, and that makes a whole lot of sense. So, let's talk about something that I don't think we've mentioned on the show. You, you, it sounds like you you own and operate a family business. What is the importance of a family business to you, and why have you structured your business that way?
1: You know, what happened? I I can't tell you that I sat down in thirteen and said that would be ideal. But in hindsight, in my opinion, you couldn't have a better situation. We hang out every day. We we work every day. We brainstorm. We meet, and we're building a nice little legacy to, that's going to go on on its own and that all the way i explained it to you organically just happened and then uh since 14 13 by myself but with everyone 14 15 uh the coaching business has just blossomed because people are calling saying well can you teach us how to do that in our market and so when i referred earlier to associates myself and the kids work in the buying and selling entity sure we also with smart real estate coach work with the clients so If they're dealing with sellers, they might be speaking with myself and my son-in-law, Zach, who does all our buying now. If they're dealing with buyers, they might be talking to my son, Nick. Uh, Paperwork and other support, my daughter, Kayla, and our our great support person, Lauren. So the team is set up to really support the client. And, uh, Darryl, you've been in the business. I mean, I don't know of a system out there that has that kind of support simply because people can't man it because they might just be speaking or coaching. Uh, but being in the trenches every single day and having the, the, the team, the staff, the family to do that because it's what we do, it just becomes second nature to us.
0: I love that so much. And you know, I think that's a perfect segue to kind of get into that arm of your business. When did you begin coaching and what prompted you to start doing that?
1: You know, as we said earlier, you and I talking, I, I coached realtors a long time ago, and then I was consulting in the um, multi-level market for a good four years, traveling the, not even the country, the world. So I love coaching. I love bringing someone from, you know, point A or point nothing, right, to, to, to success. So in 13, I had a call from, a, a, we have a war college here, the Navy College, and I had a call from a gentleman over there saying, look, I'm going into civilian life, heard you very, do very well in real estate, why don't you coach me? And then that spread word of mouth, and then that spread on the internet, and then that has blossomed into a multi-million-dollar business in, in coaching because we create results. I mean, I, I, there's all kinds of stats I can give you, but you've been to seminars, and you, you look around the room, and you might see out of 100 people, I don't know, five, maybe 10 if you're lucky, of doing deals. Because we have one system, go to a webinar, learn our home study program, and then do deals there's not much fluff there. Our clients are successful. The ones that want to work the system are quite successful around the country and they actually do deals. That's all we care about is them, them doing deals. And if you don't mind, I'll, I'll even share with you. We, we have a, our team has a our family has a very, you know, set uh, laser focused value system. And, and I'll tell you what some of them are. one is that we, we empower individuals and families. We just happen to use the real estate vehicle. Um, one is that we complete all transactions with the highest integrity. And our clients know that. Our associates know that they're like family to us. And one is that we match effort for effort. So if somebody comes to us and says, here's my goals. I want to do this, this, and this. I treat it like a game of tennis. Uh, I serve the ball over the fence, meaning I tell them what to do. All they got to do is act. They got to serve it back over the fence and do their part. And then that volley continues. And we match effort for effort and have huge success with these guys.
0: I love that. And I think that's a, another perfect segue into my next question. So let's maybe talk about a testimonial. Let's talk about one of your favorite success stories and, you know, talk about a specific family or individual who kind of came into your program and what kind of results they were able to get and uh, over what time horizon.
1: Yeah. So we won't have time to do a ton of them. So they're on our site under real stories, right? Real deals because they have them send them in as they do them. But I'll give you a couple. We have a great guy in in, uh, Orlando, Florida, who's a single dad, um, nurse for 20 years, does a a heart catheter procedure, so pretty intense traveling nurse, Wanted to get into real estate. Like so many people that call us, I can't tell you how many times I get this. They say, look, I tried this course, or I tried this mentor, or I went to this seminar, and I I either didn't do a deal or I lost money. It's just my brain just, I can't even understand that, why we do that system doesn't work. And so he came on with us after some frustration. I think it took a good six months, actually. So I'm going to give you the, you know, not the fluff story of 30 days because I have those. But it took him about six months. He's now upwards of, I don't know, well over six or eight deals. And we average 75 grand a deal, all three paydays. So quite a cool story. Does multiple deals now. Doesn't need as much hands-on coaching. We have another gentleman in Pennsylvania that we bought that estate with. His name is Don. He's got a great family again. All these people there, I come to our office. We do office visits. We really get involved with them and help them. Um, this guy has spent, I'll tell you the number. His wife told me after we met that he had spent almost $100,000 on coaching over the last five years and had not completed a single transaction. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> so when he said he wanted to join another program. We were having dinner one night and she was cracking up saying, I told him, no, I don't know who this guy is, but you're not doing it. Well, he came on board and he's got under agreement and profited from um, just over a million dollars in transactions with us. And we speak daily. So these aren't people who just let, you know, here's your course, go learn it and hope good luck. They they decide to go on. They're going to have some success with us as long as they stay plugged in.
0: Lifestyle
1: Design Acceleration Hacks.
0: What is your favorite Before the Millions book?
1: You know, this is always tough because it depends on what stage of life you're at. Then that becomes a favorite. But if I have to think back, I remember what to say when you talk to yourself. Guy's name was Chad Helmstetter. What to say when you talk to yourself. It just stood out as an older book that I read as well as Jack Canfield's Success Principles.
0: Nice. That is a new one. So I'm definitely going to have that in the show notes and I might have to check that out myself. It's an oldie. (laughs) Okay. What is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or tool.
1: You know, I'm not huge on apps, but I use the, the um, app Calm, which is a meditation app. And I think, quite frankly, uh, it relates to personal and business, because if you're not in the right spot, it's going to be a tough road.
0: Okay. Okay. Sounds amazing. What do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed?
1: Two things. Choice comes to mind. I mean, you want to take off two weeks, take off two weeks. You want to bear down, you bear down. I don't consider it work. Second is that I get to hang out and feel me every day.
0: ha. <laughs> What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today?
1: Well, especially with the restructure, right? From 13, I'm going to say in a big, big way, it's foregoing the now gratification. You've got to forego the now gratification in order to build something, in order to have your head above water and not be worrying about the, the next bill, the next this, the next that. you got to set yourself up for the low, 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 low overhead or a high, 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 high amount of cash or both.
0: Delayed gratification. I love it. Who was essential to your growth before the millions and why?
1: I'm going to say two things here. One is always uh, family because of the support, because without that, again, it's a tough road to hoe. And then on the business side of it, uh, two people come to mind. One is Dr. Joe Vitale. He's speaking at my event coming up this year and and he's become a really cool mentor and friend. And uh, we're on the grand in the real estate space uh, back in 2005 because that's opened my eyes to, to what we do.
0: Love it. Last but not least, Why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention on getting to the millions?
1: Well, that's an interesting one because you and I both know that every single person that contacts you or I has the same intent and the same goal even sometimes. And I'll I'll tell you that one of the biggest things is self-doubt and self-confidence, because let's face it, if you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt and your confidence supported it, that if A then B, if B, then C, that predictability. And your confidence said, yeah, I can do that. There's zero that would stop you. And quite frankly, every single person that entered your program or mine would have huge success. So in other words, let me give you an analogy. I say to you, I say to an audience and you're in the audience, if you can reach in your pocket, if you have a hundred dollar bill right now, you come back up here on stage and I'm gonna give you 200, I'm gonna double your money. There's not a person in that room, if I gave them 10 minutes, wouldn't find a way to get their hands on a hundred dollars and come back in, why? there's a predictable said certain boom I got it but they don't act like that when it comes time to to, to do the business and if they did they'd have huge success so it's that self-confidence and doubt
0: yeah Chris, you hit it—you hit the nail on the head. My goodness, like I couldn't have said it better myself. I was gonna rephrase what you said and put my own spin on it, but I'm gonna leave that where it is because that's gold. If the listeners kind of want to get a hold of you, if they want to reach out to you, if they want to learn a little bit more about you, maybe even learn about your program and see if they can sign up, where do they find all this information at, Chris?
1: You know, everything's on. We have a free webinar. I encourage everybody to go on it. It's loaded with content. If you can deal with listening to me for another, you know, 40 minutes, jump on it. <laughs> Good. Just go to smartrealestatecoach.com smartrealestatecoach.com. If you want to email me personally, it's just Chris at smartrealestatecoach.com. And that's C-H-R-I-S.
0: There you have it. And every link that we've mentioned in the show will be in the show notes as well as Chris's favorite books. Well, Chris, this has been amazing. If you want to leave leave the listeners with a parting word, what would it be?
1: You can do it. I mean, whatever's in your head, if you're looking to create a supplemental, go do it. If you're looking to create a complete replacement, go do it. If there's a a mentor out there, it could be Derek, could be me, could be anyone. We're we're not so naive to think it's just us, but there is a mentor out there that you can relate to that's in the trenches. Make sure they're in the trenches, doing what you want to do and go attached to them and don't let go.
0: Yeah. And Chris, I'm going to ask you one bonus question. Why do you put so much value on the premise of a mentor? Why do you think a mentor is so important?
1: Well, success leaves clues, right? People, they've already done it. The stuff that I do and that you do, it was around decades before me and you. We just created our own system around it, right? So if there's someone that already did it, why the heck would you want to stub your toe, hit the speed bump, and have all the headaches? You're going to have some, but why would you want to create all this by yourself without knowing what, what direction to pivot? So there's someone, again, that, that's already done it. It's not an option, in my opinion. Find a way get a partner, borrow, bring three partners on, whatever you gotta do to find a mentor that can bring you where you wanna go.
0: Love it. Well, in summation, I hope the BTM listeners have gained some insight into Chris's life. I know I have and how you went from this broker and this business owner to now a full-time investor and you're helping tons of people change their life and become investors. It's amazing. So Chris, thank you for sharing your before the million story and guiding us through the owner financing uh, process and being an inspiration to, to myself and others. So until next time, we'll talk soon.
1: Great. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thanks for tuning in to today's show. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a good fit to work with the Before The Millions team, here's what I want you to do next. Head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash call. That's beforethemillions.com slash call and book an appointment to speak with our team. We'll get on the phone with you for about 45 minutes and we'll get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, what is your cash flow goal? How much are you looking to make every month? Number two, your personalized investing strategy. And number three, the best way to get started using cash flowing rental real estate. Remember, starting and scaling your real estate investments and business doesn't happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. We've helped clients all over the world start and scale their investing efforts to six figures and beyond while enjoying life and making the world a better place. To find out if we can help you do the same, head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash call. I'm Dorrell Allier and let's talk soon.